When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wealth does not exclude you from the human experience. You still feel all the feelings like wealth is not the answer. It's always going to be an internal job. Whether you have 500 million or $5, it always comes back to your internal state and you need to feel peace internally to your external is like a reflection of your internal. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Before we get into the episode, I just want to give a big thank you to Marion. I hope I'm pronouncing that right who recently submitted a review for the podcast. Marianne says, as a European expat in the United States, I was completely lost when I arrived in this country. Shauna's voice has been guiding me weekly as I learned how to navigate a confusing financial landscape. Her holistic approach to money has been very healing for me, for my very European scarcity mindset, and I'm so grateful for that. I love the warm, supportive tone that makes you feel both validated and empowered. So thank you, Shauna. Well, thank you, Marianne. I am so thrilled to have you. I am so thrilled that I am helping (laughs) do my little part. I know that it's, we all live in a very scarcity mindset. So gosh, I know it's just so hard to work through that. But I'm so thrilled that you feel validated and empowered. And thank you so much for leaving the review. If you would love to have your review featured on an upcoming episode, just head to etmpod.link slash review. All right, all my female entrepreneurs, this episode is for you. It can be quite challenging being a female entrepreneur. I know this personally because I've been one since I was 19 in college. You get so busy just in the day-to-day trying to grow your business that you really overlook the main reason for creating your business, which is wealth creation, right? We all want to make money. We all want to grow our business, make money, and, and build wealth. 
Well, I'll tell you something about all the people I've worked with financially. The wealthiest of them, they own a business. But the key is to figure out how to set up your business for success so you can actually create wealth. Our guest, Caitlin Carlson, she's the head of Theory Planning Partners, a boutique financial planning firm for top female entrepreneurs with the sole purpose of wealth creation. Yes, that's right. Like, let's get more money in more women's bank accounts. I am a a proponent of that. In this episode, Caitlin is going to share her top tips for wealth creation, why she thinks the Enneagram chart is actually the key to your success. This part is really fascinating and why she thinks your business needs a financial plan itself. All right, I'll let Caitlin tell you everything you need to know. Let's start talking. Caitlin, welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Shauna. Prepping our conversation, I did some research, just really, really kind of skimmed research on female-owned businesses, but I found that it's estimated that women own about 42% of all businesses And I found this interesting, 849 new women-owned businesses are open daily, and millennial women are 22% more likely to be a startup founder than a baby boomer. That one, I guess, doesn't really surprise me, but I still love that, that that women are out there and they're creating businesses. But you know, there's still this gap in wealth creation for female entrepreneurs, and very few money experts are really, I believe, working to help bridge that gap for, for female entrepreneurs. So to start us out, you're really an expert in this area. You know, what financial challenges do female entrepreneurs face when it comes to building wealth? Like what gets in the way? Oh, this is such a good question. Well, I really feel like it's the the whole intimidation factor and mystique around um, wealth creation in particular and investing. Those are just topics that women tend to rule themselves out of. Um, way more naturally than men. So uh, a huge part of our mission is empowering them and educating them and actually executing on this stuff. Um, But most of actually all of our clients are first generation wealth. So they did not grow up around money. Some people grew up in extreme poverty. And so for them, it's really just understanding, okay, I'm making money. Like what, where do I start? What do I even do with this? And so it's very cool to start with people at ground zero and teach them, this is how you build wealth. This is where we start. This is, you know, what, what the next step would be. Um, And of course, part of that is the execution. And then part of it is the mental piece. So, yeah, I I really want to talk to you about that. Um, love your dog, by the way. (laughs) Anybody listening cannot see, but it was a very cute dog. You just popped into the screen. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the mental piece because you bring up first generation and I am particularly really interested in the behavioral side of money and all of the stuff that, you know, we, we don't tend to talk about when somebody is sitting down to, you know, create a financial plan. We don't tend to talk about, you know, trauma, money, trauma and shame and what was talked about when you were growing up and what wasn't talked about money. So I'm really interested how do you guide people through um, really understanding that piece? Like specifically if they're first generation, you know, kind of creating wealth, do you see people come in that that really have, I mean, we all have that money baggage and, and kind of hangups, but, you know, I guess, how do you talk to people about that? How do you move them through that process? Mm. It's a, it's a hugely important piece because all of our business owners are in wealth accumulation phase. 
And so they need to work through this. They need to work through the triggers, the shame, um, the internal aspect of money, especially because they are business owners. And so they are responsible for their own income. And um, so personal development is even more front and center for them than it is for, say, an employee. So there are a few things that we do. Um, it's very, it's a very big piece of our onboarding process. We have an eight-step onboarding process. And in our goals call, we actually, first of all, we have all of our clients take the Enneagram. So that's interesting. It is interesting. We have some good data going at this point. We have a lot of threes, a lot of eights, um, a good population of sevens. And those are really like the three main clientele that we have. Um, They can be married to people similar to them. Sometimes they're married to opposites. Um, We have one couple that is a six. But we don't, and we have a few ones as well. I knew I was missing a number. Um, but we don't have, at least in the business owner role, we don't have many twos, nines, fives, or sixes. So there's definitely a a theme in terms of the personality that is attracted to our model and wanting to create wealth. Um, and that's not to say that, of course, like all numbers can create wealth, but that's just what we're seeing in, in our data. Um, but getting insight into the Enneagram for both the business owner and the spouse can be pretty transformative because, you know, sometimes, for example, we have an eight, she's married to a nine. So she um, wanted her husband to start his own business and so they could travel around the world together. And we had a very in-depth conversation about, you know, he doesn't wake up with the same motivations that you do. So um, it's been hugely insightful and, and a really great tool for us to have for clients and amongst our team as well. Um, it's really, what, are, what, what number are you? I'm actually a three. I'm a three as well. <laughs> um, Not surprising. Not yeah. surprising. Yeah. So we do, we attract a lot of threes and there, I truly, truly mean this, like there is beauty in every single number. And, um, you know, like that husband, that's a nine. He's one of our favorite clients. Like he's just, I mean, who doesn't love the peacekeeper? Like they're just the best. (laughs) Everybody needs a good peacekeeper for sure. (laughs) So we, I think that's, that's really interesting though, because I've, I've not heard of anybody in the financial planning field that uses Enneagram in this way. And I think that's, you know, like you talk about anything that you can do that is personal development that just helps you get to know yourself better mm. whether you lean into it you know full way or not it, it doesn't matter I think everything is just kind of sheds a, a better light on who you are and I, I don't know I would imagine you guys use it this way of of what are your strengths like you know what are the things that you you do really well and maybe what are some of the areas of weaknesses but you know I love going through these these different surveys and quizzes and things like that to really learn my strengths. And I think it gives me more motivation. Like, okay, I am this person. Like I can move through something that is hard or difficult or whatever it might be. Yes, absolutely. And also to give another example. So we had a discovery call today and we had a wife who was a one and she's married to her husband, who's a seven, but he has very, very high six and five as well. So he is in the head triad and I knew talking to him, well, I had a hunch, but I said, let me look at your Enneagram before, because 
security is a huge desire for him. And I said, this is either a something that will come with confidence, or this is a core part of your personality. And when I was able to see on his Enneagram that he's a seven wing six, that's just part of his personality and need for security. And so being conscious of that and being able to speak to that and pay attention to that when we are going over the plan and talking about where to invest and what to do and everything, being conscious of the fact that conscientious of the fact that security is a big need for him. It really helps us as planners to be able to appease that side of his personality where like, Hey, it's going to be okay. You know, and you might not have as high risk tolerance as say, if you were a three, our threes are like sky's the limit with risk, you know, (laughs) almost too much. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Always like moderation tends to be the good, the good middle ground. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been hugely helpful. And again, we do have all numbers. Like we have every single number as a client. Um, so that is super, super helpful understanding like, hey, is this just you getting comfortable with wealth, wealth creation and starting to get the hang of it? Or is this something that's always going to be a core part of who you are? And either of those answers are totally fine. Um, another thing that comes up in our goals meeting is what was money like for you growing up? And it is amazing how, you know, zero through seven years old, we are all subconscious. So we are taking everything in with no filter, we are like meaning making machines from zero to seven years old and how much that imprints on us and affects us, especially if you are not really doing the work, not working on yourself. Um, you know, that can come up in some pretty funky or potentially gnarly ways, especially around money. So it's very interesting to always learn about people's money stories growing up. And then the question we ask after that is, how do you currently feel about your finances? And then how do you want to feel about your finances? And our goal is that as good advisors, we are moving you through towards that aspirational answer. So that's also where it comes in is, okay, this is what you grew up with. You can't control that. This is how you feel now. How do we get you from where you feel now to how you want to feel? And a lot of that a lot of people have very similar answers, which is they want clarity around their finances. They want to plan. They want to feel peaceful. They want to feel secure. Um, they want to know that, like, I think actually the most beautiful thing that we do as a part of our work is we help our clients live intentional lives. Mm-hmm. And so because we have a lot of threes, you know, threes are the most guilty of tipping into workaholism. Again, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So being able to say to a three, you don't have to grow a $5 million business because everyone else looks like they're doing it on Instagram. You can actually achieve all of your goals running a half a million dollar business, running a $250,000 business. That's a message that usually threes and eights need to get more than anyone else because threes more than nines need to be reminded to put the laptop down and go play at the playground because their kids aren't going to be four for forever. So (laughs) there is a lot we do on the mental side. Um, And then I feel like there was one other thing that I wanted to mention, but um, I think I've covered enough for now. (laughs) So you, you talked about building wealth that, you know, maybe you, you don't have to have a $5 million business. You can have a 500,000 or 250,000. I really like that. That feels 
really good to me because like you mentioned, everything we see on social media and emails that people send out is just, you know, follow my exact system and you could be, you know, a quadruple, you know, millionaire and that that that's the only way to do it. And it, it sometimes feels extremely stressful. Um, and I think I love this word of intentionality because really it's about finding out what is going to work for you. What is going to work in your life? What is enough for you? What is the happiness number for you? So, you know, thinking about that people could build wealth at any of those dollar amounts, it's true, right? I mean, you can still, you know, have a $250,000 business and still be able to create sustainable wealth. Absolutely. And my first question to that is why? Like, why do you want to grow a $5 million business? And usually there isn't an answer. Usually it's because they're being told from an email thread or someone that they follow on Instagram. And um, another thing that I talk about pretty often is that, you know, there's not one path to get somewhere and one path is not better than the other. You could run a $250,000 business and arrive at the same place as someone who sells a business for $10 million. If you have the right plan and you're working the right plan, you can arrive at the same place two different ways. That's it's really great. I, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she was consistently coming back to there's just one way for me to to grow my business and one way for me to do this. And I I just paused and asked her, what if you thought of the word always? Like there are all ways to get there and that it isn't one way. And she just kind of sat there and thought, well, I never even had thought about that, that there could be always. And that lots of different ways doesn't mean that you're doing money wrong. Mm. It's just a different way to get there. And I think that that's what I love about financial planning is that it leaves enough room for art. It's not just science. So you work a lot with six and seven figure female entrepreneurs. Uh, We've just talked about that, you know, the entrepreneurs can make all different types of income and, and create wealth. But what are what are some of the secrets you see to these entrepreneurs that hit that, you know, six and seven figure business mark? What what are they doing? Is it anything different than any of the rest of us? <laughs> that is a, definitely a loaded question. So I know. <laughs> the, the short answer is no. They're not doing anything different than anyone else. Um, these business owners have a high level of perseverance. Um, the things that might make some more successful than others is well, first of all, you have to be good at sales, right? So like you have to be able to bring sales in the door to get past that, usually around like 100, 200, 300K to be able to start running a payroll to get other people on the bus. Um, and so they have been good enough at sales to get the business up to that point to where they can start hiring other people. But then it becomes a uh, <laughs> more of a humbling experience of... Um, you know, especially if they're going to get a team in there so that the business now we, we have both. So we have, I kind of split them up into lifestyle businesses and enterprise businesses. We do have lifestyle businesses where they are the business and the business is them. So for example, like a consultant or an influencer, we have those types of clients. Um, and so they are either known for like a very specific niche and they've done a great job of growing their audience. And they're just kind of at this point of inbound referrals for the enterprise where they're building out a team and they're trying to get to the business to the point of the business doesn't rely on me. I would consider that more of an enterprise business because 
that could eventually be an asset that they could sell. Um, that is a more humbling experience of, okay, what am I good at and what do I need to give up? That is not that I could delegate. So the ones that have really, um, surpassed the thresholds, um, that's very, very hard. It's very hard to do. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's hard because I feel like that's putting out a limited belief, but again, that comes back to the whole perseverance thing. But I think what makes the exceptional ones exceptional is that they're very strong delegators. So they know what they're good at. They don't let their ego get in the way. They delegate effectively. They're also good leaders and you have to be a good leader, which means you can't be the bottleneck and you have to be empowering um, your employees. And we have one partnership where they were just in the wrong seats and it's, um, as soon as they switched seats, so one of the partners mm, ended up ended up running the team. As soon as she was running the team, they took off. And it's just because the other personality wasn't as good at people management as the other one was. So um, you know, once they figured that out, they like their growth really took off. Um, so th- those are just a couple of quick things that come to mind. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. Gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, 
Honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. All right, Caitlin, I'm so excited to play your relationship with money game is with you. So question number one, if you had to describe your relationship with money as a cartoon character, what would it be? This is probably top of mind because I have a two-year-old boy, but (laughs) Thomas, the tank engine. (laughs) And I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. That's probably the best one I can think of right now. <laughs> I like that. I can I can really relate to that one. <laughs> Question number two, how many times a day would you say you think about money? Oh, um, how many times a day? How many hours are in the day? Probably at least 24. No, no, no. I guess I'm sleeping for eight. So on a good day. So basic math, can I do this? 16 hours a day. I'm thinking about money. <laughs> Question number three, if someone dropped a billion dollars in your bank account right now, what would change in your life or what would you be doing? I would still be doing exactly what I'm doing, which I think is really cool. I would buy my dream house, which has a view of the water because I find water super calming. Um, And I would take care of everyone in my life. Um, to a certain extent, I'd have to be smart about this one. And I would create a scholarship for my high school because I went to a boarding school on a scholarship and that would be my way of giving back. All right. Question number four, what would you say is your biggest money mistake? Maybe even something that other people don't know about. Um, My biggest money mistake is my first internship in college. Um, I made $13,000, which for a college kid was like extreme wealth. (laughs) And that got spent on beer and forever 21 clothes. So imagine how much money that would be worth right now if I just stuck it in the S&P 500. But alas, I did not. (laughs) Even if I split it in half and put a half of it in the S&P, that would have been better than what I did, which was by disintegrating clothes from forever 21. I would imagine another secret to a thriving business is having a financial plan for the business. (laughs) And I think this is, you know, something that 
we obviously talk about personally having a personal financial plan, or at least if you can't hire a financial planner, you have a good idea of, you know, saving, spending, your goals, you know, do I have a will, life insurance, those types of things. But how does a financial plan for a business, how does that differ from a personal financial plan? So this is a great question because I learned this a bit the hard way. I can um, I can develop a plan for a client and I can say, okay, in order to hit your goals, you need to save $5,000 a month. But if I can't trust that the business is in a financially healthy position, then the plan is kind of moot. So um, I was a very big proponent of business owners hiring outsourced CFOs. And a lot of times we work directly with the CFOs. So then I can go to the CFO and say, hey, we need to put $5,000 a month in distributions into an investment portfolio. And the CFO might say, okay, love that goal long term. We can't do that right now. We can do $2,500. And I'll say, great, let's start somewhere. Being able to trust the CFO, who I know that's their specialty, um, to communicate with me on that is huge because what we're doing is we're positioning the business owner to focus on running the business and going out there and growing the company and bringing in money, which is their zone of genius. And that's what they should be focused on. I had to learn that the hard way because I gave that initial financial plan to an entrepreneur. And then, you know, within 10 months, it was like there was a fire in her business. Like it was just a mess when you looked under the hood. And that is not my area of expertise. So I love collaborating with um, CFOs and CPAs because that's their area of expertise. And between the three of us, if we can surround an entrepreneur that really positions them to um, to basically have a good head on their shoulders because they have a good board of advisors, if you will. And so for them, it's just about them hitting the revenue goals, them executing the, the business plan. So I'm really glad that you asked that because it is a huge differentiator for our clients. And kind of thinking along those lines, is there anything fundamentally different from a female entrepreneur versus a male entrepreneur. Like I'm wondering, you know, your specialty obviously is working with female entrepreneurs. You're a female yourself. You're obviously an entrepreneur yourself. So there's a lot of, of likeness there, but when it comes down to it, are there noticeable differences? (laughs) Hmm. Yes and no. So this is why I'm so glad that we have clients take the Enneagram because I think of so much of it comes down to personality. Like an Enneagram three is an Enneagram three, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, Where I think that I can see differences sometimes is, and I hate to play into the stereotype, but sometimes I do see women more likely to put the team or like employees ahead of themselves. Um, They're more willing to do that more often or for longer than men. And that's another big thing. That's another reason why a financial plan is so important because it's like, you're answering to the plan. This isn't about you being selfish. This isn't about you like not being a team player, not being a good business owner. Like you created this business to, to fund your life. And this business should be in service to you. It shouldn't be that you are in service to the business. And I think the exceptional business owners get that and grasp that. And this is where I think that 
you know, we have, especially in the female entrepreneur, I guess, let me also say this, that um, (laughs) most female entrepreneurs have like a woo component to them. So like the whole spirituality and universe, and a lot of this is tapping into your intuition. And so to give an example, um, for me, like we had a role on the team that I knew wasn't going to be needed long-term. And I had to like get quiet and meditate and trust my intuition that making this decision was the right thing. And then I took, so I feel like that would be kind of more of a feminine approach, but then I had to take a masculine action, which was to actually act on that and let her go, which can be the hard thing to do. I think that women can have a harder time crossing that bridge, but when they're really in alignment and they have good advisors around them, they know that they have to do what they have to do for the health of the business. It's really interesting that you that you talk about it that way. I mean, I would agree a lot of my female entrepreneur friends, there is a, a woo element of, you know, we're we're talking more about energy and in in intuition and different things that even like I feel like a few years ago we maybe didn't vocalize as as much as we are now, or maybe they weren't as like socially acceptable. I don't know what the right word is, but there's definitely more conversations about it. And I I think that's, it's really interesting because, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19 in college and there is a gut check (laughs) element to it. It's, it's great. It has a lot of upsides, but it is stressful. Hmm. It is um, sometimes very inconsistent. It really pushes you to, I think sometimes like your boundaries of what you're comfortable with. And you know, it certainly isn't for everyone. And so I'm thinking, you know, as you're, as you're working with some of these entrepreneurs, what if the business just isn't financially viable? Is there a point where you know, okay, this isn't going to work, like I should pull the plug or try something new? Is there a point, you know, can you, can you I guess, can you identify that? Or is it more of just a feeling like things are just not going, going well? Oh, that is, that's a really good question. Um, Well, for our clients specifically, you know, they have, they are in multi six into seven figures. um, And so they've figured something out, right? Like they have figured out how to run a business, but like when Facebook changed their settings or, you know, the world shut down because of COVID, like these people had to pivot and had to be resourceful. And I think that it comes down to a matter of, um, you know, being perseverant, but also being realistic at the same time. And, um, I think that if something isn't working out, then you kind of do have to have like a come to Jesus moment of, okay, I can't let the next 10 years go by and still not be paying myself. So um, I think it is a mix of exactly like you're talking about a mix of intuition and looking at the hard data. I think for our clients, they have built a muscle in entrepreneurship. Um, where I feel like they've surpassed a certain threshold that is very hard to get past. But you know what? I will say um, we have a partnership where one of the partners, um, they came on with us within the last year and 
she hit burnout and she was just done. Um, she was just done, done, done. Like her kids were in high school and she didn't want to miss that. And for her, you know, throwing in the towel just felt like the thing that had to be done. Otherwise she was going to miss these years. And she was getting to a point where I was jeopardizing her health. And I think when it starts jeopardizing your health, then it's like, okay, this is your body is validating for you that this something in this path needs to change. Um, so the other partner ended up buying her out over the summer. And so we do see, we do see that stuff happen where it's like, you need to make a decision here. Um, but it can't keep going on the, the track that it's going on. So I think it's, it's always that mix of what's your gut telling you, what's your body telling you and what are the numbers telling you? And you're always in the driver's seat and you get to make the final decision, you know, which is, it, it is like the double edged sword of business ownership. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Ninen, the host of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls, how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I, I like empowering people to sit with themselves and think about, you know, how am I really feeling? Like, you know, aside from the stress of running a business, like what is what is my body really telling me about this? I think that's that's really good advice. And I, you know, I, I love that you have created this this firm, your entrepreneur yourself. I know that you used to work at UBS and I believe that you've done somewhere around like 300 financial plans, which as a former financial planner, that is a lot of financial plans. <laughs> and, you know, you've worked with a, a lot of wealthy people. Are there any money lessons or takeaways or like really interesting ahas that you had, you know, working with, with that many people, that many financial plans and, and that amount of wealth? Oh, that is a great question. One thing, if you don't mind me going back that I just wanted to add to the final note of that question is, um, that's why a financial plan can be so vital and pivotal because those are the numbers looking you in the face. And like, 
you have to make a decision at a certain point of, okay, is the business going to be able to help me accomplish this? Because time is going by and I need to make a decision. So I forgot to mention that, that of course, like the financial plan is a great, a great tool to help you make that decision of, of whether to keep going or not. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. So I had to go. <laughs> yes, important point. <laughs> um, but in terms of insights and lessons learned, I mean, I think absolutely the power of habits. So habits are what create wealth, whether it is saving and investing on a regular basis, which the great thing about the markets is that it rewards that. Um, and, and then also if you're running a company, like the habits that you have daily of running a company, those are all things that coincide with creating wealth. So the most successful people that I've seen in the wealth arena ha- just had super strong habits and a very strong temporal perspective, which is their relationship to the future and understanding that what I do now is going to pay off later. And one of the things that I love helping clients find is the balance between their present selves and their future selves. We never want one to be depleting the other. We want you to be able to enjoy your life and live it now. We also want you looking out for your future self. And so the younger you can start that process, the better, because it takes so much less to take care of future you if you start younger. So that was um, definitely a pretty profound insight for me because I got into the industry basically right out of college. And so to see the importance of um, investing like right out of the gate, that was super important. In terms of takeaways from working with super wealthy people, um, wealth does not exclude you from the human experience. You still feel all the feelings like wealth is not the answer. It's always going to be an internal job. Whether you have $500 million or $5, it always comes back to your internal state. And you need to feel peace internally to your external is like a reflection of your internal. And um, yeah, I've just seen that wealth does not, it doesn't exclude you from the human experience. And it can tip into potentially creating issues if your values and ethos aren't front and center regarding Yeah. Money. That lesson took me many years to learn. <laughs> I will I will proudly say that. <laughs> I grew up in a family that, you know, I just had this, I just learned, I think, that s- status was how you make friends and status was how you become valuable in the world. And so, I mean you know, as a money expert myself, I've created like all of the cardinal sins money wise. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's why I, I love talking about money because I like saying like, hey, this is a human thing that we all that we all struggle with. And, you know, I wish I would have had some of the ahas like way earlier, like early 20s. But, you know, whatever, they come when they come, right? Exactly. <laughs> Like the teacher arrives when the student is ready or something. Yes, absolutely. Right. I wish the student would have been ready earlier, but here we are. Uh, But I think it's freeing to talk about it in this way because, you know, I don't want people to think that because they're maybe a certain age or they've made a certain mistake or whatever that they're excluded from, you know, this conversation of, of building wealth or building a, you know, sustainable business. Oh, no, we I mean, we work mostly with millennials. So mostly people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, but we just brought on a, a 
63 and 70 year old client that, you know, they're ready to go. So. (laughs) Wow. That is so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, we had a listener question come in a few weeks ago that I thought might be perfect to kind of pose to you. It's from, from Jasmine. And she said, I'm starting a home design business this year after working for other designers and getting fed up with how they did things. I have a very distinct design design style and have been motivated by your podcast to take a leap and start working on creating my own wealth. I'm wondering though, from a financial standpoint, how do you suggest I set myself up from success from the beginning? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I'm wondering like, if you have any advice for, for Jasmine of, of how how to set yourself up well from the the get-go. Okay. So one of my favorite things, because it costs $0, is to get clear on what your number is. So, um, and setting a goal, because setting a goal and writing it down, do not underestimate how powerful that is. So even if you are starting your business and you have $0 in revenue, you can still look up a retirement calculator. I'll actually share a link to one that we have. Um, where you can put in, okay, I, and a lot of people come in and they're like, I don't know. I've never thought about it. That's why it's so important because people don't think about it. So pick a goal. So let's say you're starting this business and you're 35 and you want to be financially independent by 55. So you're creating a 20 year plan and you live off of, let's say $10,000 a month. So by age 55, you want to be able to have a lifestyle of, $120,000 a year. Reverse engineer. What does your business need to be providing for you in terms of cash flow for you to invest in order to achieve that goal? And when you are making decisions in your business, having that goal in the back of your head is going to be so powerful and so helpful. Because when you get to that point of, okay, I, I grew the design business. Now I'm making more than I was getting paid at my old job. And that's enough to cover my living expenses. We, now I'm making more like you have a rough game plan of where that money needs to go. Because what will happen is if that money sits in your bank account, you will find a way to spend it. Like money. wants It will just drain out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Money wants a home. Money wants a place to go. Um, at that point, it is also, I would also say to surround yourself with good advisors as soon as you can, as soon as feasible. Um, so having a financial planner, having a, an outsourced CFO, having a CPA, these are all areas of expertise that are going to elevate the decisions that you make. And so, um, if you can look into having those, resources at your disposal, you know, of course, once you get the business to a certain point of profitability, they're very worth the investment in my experience. I love that. Okay, Jasmine, that was some some gold for you there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to I want to end here. We, we throw this word wealth around a lot. And, you know, financially, it means different things to different people. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the um, emotional side of building wealth. You know, how do we stay focused on our own wealth creation process and not get caught up in someone else's journey? I'm wondering, you know, as we as we close out here, do you have any advice for us of like how do we just stay in our lane and stay focused on our process? Yes. Okay. So attach the money to things that have meaning to you. So because what will happen is you'll make a million dollars and you'll be like, 
oh, okay, like that's not meaningful. But if making a million dollars means that you can buy your dream house on the beach, or you can travel with your parents, or you can treat your sister to an Airbnb, when you attach meaningful things to the money, that's what's going to give you fulfillment. And that's what's going to give you motivation to keep going. Wow. All right. I just would love to echo Caitlin's advice that wealth creation, it can come at any business income level. Yes, we would all love to hit seven figures, eight figures. But even if you're just starting out, you can embrace Caitlin's wealth building mindset and start setting yourself up for success from the beginning. If you want to connect with her, you can find her on Instagram at Theory Planning Partners, or you can head to our website, theoryplanning.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me the highest favor, share it with a few friends right now, share it for all of your female entrepreneur friends, and let's all help them start creating some wealth. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.